Welcome to The Bee Podcast. The mission of The Bee is to create an inspiring platform for all women of every age to have meaningful conversations with the intent to genuinely understand each other's journey, to listen to stories similar and different than our own, engage in each other's triumphs and failures, hear and validate one another on the separate unique journeys we have traveled, the loss we have endured, the joy we have encountered, and the reason behind the lessons we have learned. Bees symbolize community, personal growth, and power. And that is what we aim to do here. Create community, foster growth, and empower women. I'm Cami Milliken, and this is the Bee Podcast. Happy release day, Bee Podcast listeners. It is Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening. This week, we sit down with Holly Vandeke. At the most vulnerable times, Holly's life took sharp, unexpected turns. And as she tried to make sense of it all, the lessons that she learned made her who she is today. Listen in as Holly shares her experience with loving and losing two men in her life to two very different fights. Hi guys, I am here with Holly Vandekeef and I am so excited to have this conversation. Holly, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm so good. Holly, just start by giving us an introduction of yourself, your family, your hobbies, your career. All right, I guess I'll start with the basics. I'm currently teaching fourth grade. I'm working on getting my master's right now in professional school counseling and trying to decide if I want to go on to do mental health counseling or not. Um, I'm married and we have been together for five years and we just currently bought our house out in the country that we have been wanting forever and it just took forever to find. (laughs) So we moved here in October and lately we've just been doing a lot of yard work. Tis the season for yard work. (laughs) Yeah, when it's not so windy, we can do some yard work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so exciting. So you have so many crazy, awesome things going on, going on in your life. So can you, how how far are you into your grad program? So this is my first year and I'll be doing internships starting in July. Well, the end of July. How awesome. I think that's a wonderful path that you're taking, especially the, the, the focus. That's awesome. I'm excited. A little bit nervous, but excited. So you're married, you have this wonderful home that you've, you know, been waiting for and you're teaching. And before we actually started recording, Holly and I were having an interesting conversation about how the end of the year is going. Holly, without giving away all of the details, how is the end of your year going? (laughs) It's going. We are, we are getting so close. Yeah. We were talking about how like last year with COVID, we didn't get a chance to say goodbye to our students. Now it just feels like we're all ready to be done now. <laughs> all yes. of us, students, yes. staff, you know, like yes. it is. So I love but, them and I miss them, but we're just getting so close. We are so close. Yeah. yeah. It's um, getting hard for everybody right now, yeah. for sure. All right, girlfriend, let's just begin your story by talking about growing up as a young girl and the earliest memories that you have of your family. So I grew up, we started off in Harper. It's over by Kyoto. I'm I don't know okay. if you've heard of Harper or not, just a small town. And we lived there for probably until I was like four. And then most of my childhood was in the Pekin area, except for one year in Fremont. Um, most of my childhood, I played Barbies, really, <laughs> with my aunt. She's six months younger than I am. And we spent so much time playing Barbies. And now that I think about it, I'm thinking that that was 
probably an, an escape for me, you know, because you can make Barbie's life be however you wanted it to be. I've done a lot of reflecting and I'm like, I spent hours and hours, like <laughs> so much time, but I'm like, it's probably just, it was a great ex- escape for me. Yeah. Building their realities to fit maybe what was your dream. Yes. Yeah. So you played a lot trying to kind of escape. Do you have any funny stories or memorable events with your mom and dad as you grew? So when I think about like my memories with my mom and dad, I don't remember a whole lot, but I do remember some things. Like I remember practicing t-ball with my dad. He was actually my t-ball coach. And then I remember like we would watch football and he was a big Miami Dolphins fan. So I would always cheer for the other team just to like get them riled up. (laughs) (laughs) Those are very vague memories, but Mm -hmm. those are just a few that stick out. So do you have any siblings then? I do. I have a brother and he's four years younger than me. Okay. So you said that you um, grew up in the in Harper. So then you moved to the Pekin area. Yeah. How old were you when you moved there? Uh, We were, I was probably like six or seven, six probably. Okay. So then growing up, having these, you know, memories with your dad and your aunt who was close to your age, what was the overall feel of your home as a young girl? I don't remember a lot. So I'm guessing it was happy, you know, for up until the point where, you know, things changed, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But before that, I remember, I just, I don't remember a whole lot. So I'm guessing it was fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Right. Pretty content. Um, Yeah. So do you remember the relationship that you had with your father? Um, I just remember like what everybody has told me, like I was a daddy's girl and I was always wanted to be with him. And I remember a little bit, like I do, I slightly remember the joking with him, you know, when we watched football and stuff like that, but I don't remember a whole lot. And some things I'm like, do I really remember that? Or do I remember it because people have told me about it? Yeah. So kind of struggle with you know, what do I really remember or what am I kind of, did I make something, you know, like kind of make it up in my mind? No, that makes sense. Based off of pieces of information that people have told me. Right. When people tell you these things, it's easy to paint those pictures in your head for sure. Um, So then do you, you know, alternately, do you remember the relationship that you had with your mom? Like at that time, like with my mom and dad? Yeah. Yeah. Not really. Not so much. No, which is odd because like I look at, you know, seven-year-olds now and I'm like, you're pretty old. I feel like I would remember that, but I really don't. Well, it was, I mean, what followed that age was a pretty traumatic event. So that would make sense. Yes. Some of your, and and I've heard of that before. Um, I've heard of that before. I've had, I've had people in my life that I know who have had really traumatic events happen and they have no recollection of their, their childhood before that time, like the age of like 10 or nine, you know, they just yes. don't remember anything, which, I mean, that's a way that your brain protects itself. I'm yeah. sure. So then let's kind of segue into, you know, that big change. So when you were young, what was that big change in your life? 
So I was seven and it was in August and my mom and my dad had gotten in a fight that morning and they were going through a divorce. And so my mom took me to my grandma's house and which is her mom's house. And I just remember I, playing Barbies pretty much is the only thing that I remember that day. I'm, like I said earlier, it's like Barbies for some reason, that's the only thing that sticks out to me is something that I did all the time. But I remember I was playing Barbies with my aunt and my dad had called and my mom said, your dad wants to talk to you and your brother. And so, and I say, I remember this, but I don't know if I really remember talking to him on the phone or again, if it's just, they said that this happened. So then I like pieced it together or, you know, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. But they said that I talked to him on the phone and he said like, I love you and goodbye. And he talked to my brother on the phone and said the same thing. And then I guess what I found, I just recently talked to my grandma about this because I've never really talked to many people about that day. And what I found out was like, my dad had come over that to my grandma's and was like begging for my mom back, you know, or begging to mend that relationship. And he was like bawling and just on the ground crying. And my mom said like to my grandma, I think maybe we need to call the ambulance. Like he's not acting right. And my grandma said, no, I'm sure it's fine. Like, I'm sure it's fine. And then he left. And my grandma said, she just remembers seeing the look on his face, like something wasn't right. Like he did not look like his, you know, he did not look like himself. And you have, and you so, don't remember this happening. No, so this is, okay. this is just me talking to her and her telling okay. me about this. So this was just okay. recent that I had this conversation with her, like probably a week ago. And um, she said he left and then, yeah, then he had called. So before he called, this happened before he had called us and then he called us and my mom go said, we need to get someone there now after he called and said, I love you and goodbye, because she knew like, that was not, there was something weird about that. Mm-hmm. So she had called a family member and that family member had gone to our house and they had found my dad and he had died by suicide. I just remember playing Barbies and then hearing my mom, like just sobbing. And so we run into the kitchen, my aunt and I, and she's, I think she was holding a picture album. I'm not sure why, or, you know, how she got the picture album, if she was looking at it before, because, you know, just reminiscing, but she was just sobbing on the ground, holding that. I didn't know like what was going on. And I don't remember anybody telling me like, you know, your dad died by suicide but I just, I always grew up knowing. And I asked my grandma, I said, did anybody tell me that that day? Like, how do I, how did I even know? And she goes, I don't know if anybody actually told you or if, you know, people around were talking about it. And so then you pieced it together and kind of had to make sense of it, you know, yourself. So I'm guessing somebody did have that conversation with me, but I don't remember, you know, anybody ever, I don't remember a moment where I was like, oh, 
he died by suicide. I just remember that I always knew it, but I don't remember anybody ever explaining it to me or, you know, a specific moment and feeling a certain way about it. I just remember trying to like growing up, just trying to make sense of, you know, all of it, everything that happened. Yeah. Okay. So your reaction would have been, you know, slow moving and kind of absorbing like a sponge, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you had those around you who were reacting. I mean, in the moment you said you remembered your mom having that emotional response very, very distraught. How long do you think it took for you to understand that there would always be an absence then? I think at the funeral is when it kind of made sense to me because like seeing him in the casket and knowing that I wasn't going to see him again, probably after that. And I don't remember the funeral a lot, but people said that like, I was crying. And so people were just kind of passing me around because, you know, everybody else was grieving as well. And so on top of me crying, they were like taking turns with me. And, and I don't, I don't remember that, but that was just me asking just recently again, you know, me trying to figure out all of this, the storyline of everything, I guess. When I'm thinking about, I'm picturing it in my head, what that must've looked like for you and your family, you know, at, at his services. And it has to be your brain protecting itself. Hmm. It has to be your brain protecting you uh, from that absolute heartache and losing your father to not have um, solid memories of it, but knowing like, like looking at it, like a movie and seeing like these things play out. That's how I feel. Like when I think back of about it. It's like, I have bits and pieces, but it's like, I have to put these bits and pieces together. Yeah. And, you know, and which that's a lot of memories, you know, it's not like you have a clear picture of a lot of things, but it's just really, I really have to think hard about things. And again, it's like, do I really remember this? Or is it just me hearing about people saying this as I grew up and then me creating my own memory of it? And So then Holly, the subsequent days, like maybe you didn't necessarily remember all of the bits and pieces when you were seven years old, but that became your new reality is the absence Mm -hmm. of your father. So then what was your new normal like as you grew? My dad passed away in August and I started school at Pekin for just a little bit because we moved in with my mom's mom. So my grandma on my mom's side. And then we found a house in Fremont. So we moved there and I started school in Fremont. So big changes for me, you know, all in the just same time, trying to start a new school and just a lot. And then later that year, my mom had gotten a boyfriend. And so that was a big, big change for me as well. And this boyfriend was not great at all. Um, And one memory that I have, and this was a big thing when I realized like, oh, like life is really changing, you know, and I'm not sure how to handle this. Um, I remember one day they were in the living room and he had shoved her into the fish tank. And so the fish tank broke. And I was 
a first grader and I ran and I tried to jump on his back and just be, you know, try to do anything that I could to help her. And he just kind of like, he didn't hurt me, but he just like threw me off. And I remember I was wanting to call my grandma so bad. And he's like, he would not let me, of course, you know, but she stayed with him. And so that was actually, that was the only time that I had seen him like physically abuse her. But it's just, there was a lot of things that were not healthy in that relationship. And then these types of relationships kind of became a pattern for her. So growing up, it was, I'm, you know, me seeing a lot of different toxic relationships. Do you have any memories of sitting alone and thinking about, about how different it was? I think, especially as I got older and just, you know, was witnessing these unhealthy relationships and these men coming in and out, you know, of our lives. And I just, there were times when I would just sit and I would be angry at my dad. And then I would feel guilty about being angry at him. But I, there were times when I'm like, you left me, you know, if you were here, I would not have all these men, you know, coming in and out of our house. And, and it wasn't like a ton. I'm not, it's not a ton of men, but there were enough that it was just, you know, different. And yeah, I would sit and just be like, if you were here, I wouldn't be going through this. And there were times when I just felt like I had to grow up, you know, a lot faster than everybody else around me. And times when I felt like I was left behind to pick up the pieces and I was taking on that responsibility. It wasn't my responsibility, but I felt as the oldest child and, you know, I wanted to help my brother and I wanted to help my mom and do anything that I could to make things better. But as a young kid, you don't always know how to do that. How old was your mom when your father passed? She was 26. Okay. And so I'm 28 now. And I think about that a lot. It's like, I, I've also had a lot of anger towards her, you know, because after my dad passed the relationships that she was in, they were unhealthy. And I'd be like, what are you doing? You know? And she slept a lot, but she was trying to escape. I think, you know, her sleeping a lot was trying to escape this new life that she wasn't prepared for. And so I would be angry with her, but then as I got older, I'm like, especially now, you know, close to the age that she was, I'm like, I couldn't imagine what she went through with two children. Like, I can't imagine what it was like. Maybe. Yeah. Like I think back on it and I'm like, yeah, I would do things differently, but that's because of the experiences that I've had. That's really heavy for your mom to carry at yeah. such a young age. And isn't and, it interesting how age is relative and, you know, now looking back, mm-hmm. like you said. Yeah. And I have a great relationship with my mom now, you know, so talking about this is kind of hard because there was so much pain growing up with all of that 
just everything that happened in the past, but that was the past. And, you know, she's, she's grown so much and I've grown so much and it's just people change. mm -hmm. And the awful thing is that it takes so much time Mm -hmm. and retrospect. Yes. That's, that's the worst. I mean, it's, you're so thankful for that retrospect and wisdom later, but during those times when it's full of ache, Mm -hmm. it's hard to see. So Holly, thinking about what I know about you, you have been, you are so kind and like meek. I would describe you as a meek and kind individual. Did you ever feel like you wanted to confront your mom with, you know, your heartache and your concern? There were times when I would like, you know, as a young kid, you're growing up, you're like, you're a terrible mother, you know, in a terrible way. Like, I would just be like, you're a terrible mother. I will never, when I have kids, I will never be this type of mother. And, you know, that really hurt her, obviously. But we would just kind of argue and then get over it, you know, because I'm sure she also understood that I was, you know, a young kid trying to deal with all this frustration that I had as well. But yeah, I, there were times where I did confront her and there are times where we've had conversations, you know, as I got older too, where it's like, yeah, this really affected me, you know, but we've moved on. And well, and I'm certain she was trying her very best, but that's so young. I keep thinking about that age. That's so young for that to happen. Absolutely. I always say like people do the best they know, how, you know, know how and with what they have, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I couldn't imagine being 26 and going through what she went through. So yeah, I right. always, I always try to think of that too. As you're older and you're looking back and thinking about those things, but during those times, everything is so wrong. Yes. Um, do you ever remember feeling, did you ever think that ever, like, did you ever think that things would get easier? I thought that like, I used to think if my mom just got married, you know, things would be easier, like married to a good man. Like my I spent a lot of my childhood at my grandma and grandpa's, my mom's mom and her stepdad. And I spent so much time there and life there was easier because it was stable. They had that loving relationship and my aunt was there. So it was like a sister and life there was fun too, because we just played and I was able to feel like a kid there and have some well, stability and, you, and feel safe. Right. And you had your grandpa there who yes. was, you know, that father or, you know, a male presence that yeah. maybe helped you and feel safe too. He did. Like I viewed him as a father figure eventually, you know, after my dad had passed, he was the one that I viewed as a father figure to me. And yeah, I just always thought like if my mom would find a relationship like my grandma and grandpa and find a man like my grandpa 
and maybe life would be easier. And yeah, my mom's married now, but that was just this past year. And yeah. And how old are you now? 28. So yeah. <laughs> she's married to a great man. Like he would help anyone in need. And like, we just really, really appreciate him. So I'm so thankful for that. In thinking about your father, as you grew, maybe when you were in high school or when you were entering college, you know, all these different big transitions, how did you think about him? What was your thought process when you thought about him? Did you ever question or wonder why he chose to make the choice that he did? Absolutely. Like I always wondered, and especially like when I found out that he had talked to me and he had talked to my brother, like I would question like, how could you hear our voices? Like we were probably the last voices you heard. And, you know, he died by suicide. And so trying to make sense of that. But as I really learned, like, and grew, I realized that it was so much more than what I can just make sense of. Mental health is so much more than he just went and made that choice right then and, you know, right then yeah. and there. And if he was in a different state of mind, it wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't have done that, but it's just, and I still have so much to learn, you know, in that area too. Forgive me for backtracking a bit in thinking about the relationship that your parents had. Did you know what that would mean to have a divorce when you were that young? No, I don't think so. And I didn't even find out that they were going through a divorce until later in life. Okay. Like, I don't think I even knew. I, th- I knew they had gotten in a fight that day, but I don't think I knew that they were actually going to get a divorce until later on. So did, did your experiences as a child and did the experience that your mom had with losing her husband, did those experiences present themselves in conversations that you had later in life when you're, when you were thinking about having a family or uh, getting married, did you ever find yourself recalling things about your father talking about, you know, things to watch out for? Or I don't really talk about my father a lot with my mom. Okay. We really haven't And I really haven't talked about my father a lot with anyone. It like just this past week, I asked my grandma, like, can you tell me about this day, you know, that it happened because I felt like growing up, I didn't know if I could talk about it. I didn't want to make people sad. And I felt like just people seeing me sometimes like felt sad, you know, they looked sad. And so it's just kind of this weird feeling of like, you know, they're just feeling sad about the whole situation, you know, but feeling like sometimes you brought sadness, like, you know, family members seeing you and then they kind of like just have this look of sadness on their face. It's just a weird feeling, you know, and that is, I do a lot of reflecting as I'm getting older because like I am, I'm so, I'm such a people pleaser. And I think a lot of that just stems from the way I've grown up and being so afraid of like hurting people for some reason, like 
I just have this fear. And I don't know if it is because of, you know, the way my dad passed, like, oh, I don't want the last thing I said to somebody, you know, be something that was negative or I just, I try to make sense of a lot of things lately. Like, why am I the way that I am? (laughs) Well, and that's totally a trauma response, you know, being overly, um, you know, trying to make people feel better about themselves and try to kind of make sure that everyone is okay. Are you okay? Great. Okay. And you're really fantastic. And you know, like building people up all the time because you don't want, like you said, you don't want for the last thing that they hear to be, yeah, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely. Um, and then having to, I guess leads me into my next question. So did you feel like you were responsible then for your mom's happiness? So like growing up to like my brother was getting into a lot of trouble at school and stuff like that. So I would try to help him and I would try to talk to him about like what he was going through. And I would just try to make peace at home, like help in how I could. And he was getting in trouble. And so I feel like I just had to bring peace. Like, I don't know, like if that makes sense. I felt like I just had to try to make things better or yeah, didn't want to cause any more problems than what we've already had going on. The, the, the piece that you mentioned just a a little bit ago about just people looking at me and being sad or, you know, being worried that people would look at me and feel sad. Is it because you also carry a piece of your father with you? Like, do you look like him? I, and I, well, some people say that I like I had his like walk <laughs> and like, I don't know what that means. Awesome. I used to have terrible, terrible posture. So I don't know if that's part of it. <laughs> um, but I think it's just like, you know, being his child, you know, people see that and like, especially people on his side of the family. It's like, I, and I think it's just also maybe me being paranoid, like, oh, you know, I feel like they're looking at me this certain way. Like they, they look sad. Like, is it because of this or, you know? Yeah. All those things seem very heavy that, yeah. that you've been carrying around. And I'm also an overthinker. So <laughs> well, and you're the oldest just, child yeah. and that I totally believe in birth order. I totally believe in that. Yes. Um, yeah. How the oldest child really does absorb and take in and so sorry for the oldest children. I'm so, I'm so, it's so unfortunate to be, because you, you are, you're like the, you know, it's not fair, but yeah, you're like the test dummy a little bit. So that would be, it is, it's heavy. All the things that you've talked about are very heavy, Mm -hmm. heavy. Then as you grew, you spent a lot of time at your grandparents' house and you have really happy memories there. Um, while you and your you know, brother and your mom were all kind of mourning and grieving and growing in different ways, you still had a, you know, wonderful, safe, comforting spot, which was your, your grandparents' house. Can you describe the relationship that you had with your grandfather? So he was just amazing. Like he was 
always so funny and just trying to play pranks on us and trying to make us laugh. And we just always had so much fun with him. He was always gardening. He loved to keep his yard like perfect, which I do not have that touch. I'm going to try it this spring, but we'll see. It's okay. probably going to be a massive failure, but, <laughs> but you're going to try. I'm going to try. I'm going to give it a try, but I can't remember the water flowers. Like, so we'll see. And he loved hunting and just being outdoors, which my husband does too. So I see a lot of, I think that was part of the thing that drew me to my husband was he had a lot of similarities as my, like to my grandpa. Like there are some times when people like, will hear my story, you know, hear my life story. And they'll be like, I don't know how you are the way you are. And I really think that a lot of it has to do with them having that stability when I was there and that safe, comforting, you know, feeling that I would have when I would go stay with them. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to stay with them all the time. Like if they would say no, I'd be like bawling and like, please. But you know, they also needed some time with their daughter. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's a tough balance to make, but yeah, no, that's yeah. Nothing's better than grandma and grandpa's house for sure. Yes. Yeah. So you had very pleasant memories there and um, that's really wonderful that that you had that amidst what seemed like maybe chaos in your life that you didn't know how to navigate at such a young age. So how old were you when your grandpa received his diagnosis? So I was, I want to say I was a junior or no, I was a senior. I was a senior. Sorry. My memory is terrible. (laughs) I was a senior and we found out that he had stage four lung cancer. And so I know I had talked to you about like how I wanted to talk about my grandpa. And I actually just found out in January that my dad's mom has stage four cancer. So this is going to be a little bit, you know, close to my heart right now because I'm preparing to go through some of the things that I went through at that time. And, and just, I've been visiting her like once a week. And so if I get a little emotional, that's why, but I was going to apologize for it, but you know, emotions are, you don't apologize for emotions. So mm-hmm. absolutely, um, that's another big thing that I have learned. Like we all have them and it happens and it's not something to apologize for or be embarrassed of. Yeah. So, so my grandpa, we found out when I was a senior that he had stage four lung cancer. And um, at first, like, you know, we just prayed like that he for healing and it was kind of like, oh, he's going to be okay. Like, yeah, he has stage four lung cancer, but it's, it's going to be okay. But then he received, he started receiving chemo and, you know, you just see that big difference. And at that time I was living with my grandma and grandpa and my aunt, because I was um, going to school at Pekin still. And I wanted to finish out my senior year there. And my mom had moved to watch year. So it would have been a drive for me to drive to school. 
So I lived with them. And so, you know, I'm seeing this daily, seeing him daily and just the struggles that he's going through. And yeah, in the beginning, like I said, we would pray all the time, like, oh, praying for healing. And we just really believe that we would have a lot more time than what we really did, which we, it ended up being like a year from the time we found out to the time he had passed. And I just remember like when he started to get really sick, like he was downstairs and he was in the living room and um, because he could no longer sleep in the bed, he needed like the hospital bed. And um, we, like, I just remember coming downstairs at night, like to use the bathroom and like just checking to see if he was still breathing or just holding his hand. And just once it got to that point where he was just struggling, we were no longer praying for healing at that time you're praying. I just don't want him to suffer anymore. So that was just really, really hard for me. I think that was really hard to see like him fighting for his life. And at that time, like I still hadn't grown in understanding like mental health and my father. So I'm like, he is fighting for his life. And, you know, I lost my dad by suicide. And to me, it was just, this isn't right. You know, my grandpa's fighting and what I would used to say, which I do not believe this anymore, my dad gave up, but I think it's, I don't believe that anymore at all. Now I realize that they were both fighting and, you know, they, the, that fight looked just looked very differently. And it just took me a long time to really educate myself on mental health. And I'm still not perfect. I still have so much to learn, but it just took me a long time to realize my dad didn't give up. I'm sure it was something that he was fighting for a long time. And to go back, sorry, I'm backtracking a little bit. No, but like, fine. I remember like just last week talking to my grandma about that day, you know, and she said that she remembers that look on her face. And there are times where she still thinks about that. I feel like, you know, she feels that guilt sometimes, but back then I feel like suicide wasn't something that really was talked about all that much. Growing up in school, when I was younger, I didn't know anybody who had experienced that, or at least, you know, nobody talked about it if they had. And so it just, so she kind of felt that guilt. I feel like now you would see signs just like with cancer, you know, you see that they're starting to get ill. So, well, I guess Signs aren't as easy to see, you know, with mental health, feel like you miss some signs. It is important to watch for those. Like what you said about them fighting, but their fights just looked different is really, really huge. I think that there is, obviously there is a, there is a big stigma around mental illness and thinking about suicide. It's very, it's a very uncomfortable topic, but it is clearly affected you deeply and wholly, you know, it's, it doesn't define who you are, but it's a, it's, it's a big piece of your story. And so absolutely. I, I really like your insight into understanding that 
you know, finding that understanding and that peace for yourself that no, my dad didn't just give up. He was fighting as hard as he could. Yeah. And it, it took a long time for me to understand that, you know, I had to like, try to learn on my own and make sense of like, just mental health, you know, and I didn't understand it because I don't experience, you know, I didn't have that experience. Like I get sad, but I don't know what it's like to be in the place that he was, you know? And so it's really me just learning. I have to educate myself and learn. And I still have a long way to go. I want to learn, you know, I want to always it's, if it's something that I want to talk about, it's like, I want to make sure that everything that I say is helpful and not hurtful because it is something that is so serious. Yeah. So your perspective really shifted then from a child to, you know, experiencing the raw wound to, you know, as it, as you grew and as you experienced, you know, the things that you did experience. And also I think a really big part of the way that you've grown and you've kind of assessed things now is because you had, you did have that, that nurturing comfort in a safe space with your grandparents, that, that is the shift that kind of created like your, your insight. So in thinking about things that you have learned about yourself, you know, you've, you've talked about your father and your grandfather and how those things have obviously definitely completely affected you. What have you learned about yourself and how you view others? Uh, I'm still like, I'm always on the process. I feel like of learning about myself. (laughs) Like I, I try to do this work all the time. Like I say, if I'm the same person I was last month, like I want to grow, like I want to continue to grow. So like I'm working on my confidence and just really understanding, like I've been, like, I like to write and stuff about things that happened to really just like, I'm not going to make sense of it. Like I've accepted that I'll never make sense. Like you can ask yourself the what ifs all day long and it's not going to change anything. And it's not, I'm not going to say that I never do it. Like, you know, there are times when I do and no, I like that you're talking about what ifs and you know, I do, I do think about the what ifs and it is a dangerous game to play and I, I get it, but I still do it. And I try to not. Yeah. So I guess like what I've learned about myself is just I guess it's really made me reflective, I guess. I think that like all the experiences that I've had, I feel like I, for so long, I did lack that confidence and lacked self-esteem really. And that's something that I've been working on. And I don't know if it's really just everything that I've been through. I feel like I've always also had this pressure to be a perfect and have this certain image. And again, that's something that I'm working through right now too, is I, I'm not gonna be perfect all the time. I'm not always gonna be my best self. And I feel like growing up, I just always tried to be earlier. Like I said, I tried to keep the peace and 
I felt like I was trying to be a grown up when I wasn't. And so I've been doing a lot of work to change the way I view myself. I, I feel like I have gained so much confidence just with like the past month and doing reflecting and really just, I think the more that I reflect on the things I've been through, the more I grow. Like I spent so much time not speaking about my father and, you know, not knowing if I could talk about it. The first time that I ever did talk about my father was at a church retreat and it was with a group of people and I brought it up and it was a group of people, some people I knew, some people I didn't know. And I just remember feeling so nervous, like, oh, like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't like talking in front of people my age at all. You put me in front of a group of fourth graders, I can talk all day. But people my age, I've always struggled with that. So I did not know what it was going to be like. But I just, it was like this tug on my heart, like, just, just talk about it. That was, I feel like that was the first time I ever started to heal really. And that was like high school age, you know, when I really felt like I started the healing process, the more that I talk about it in just like even this past year, I feel like when I found out that my grandma, so my dad's mom, you know, has stage four cancer, I've been visiting her. And so I've been thinking about him a lot more and just really I, I think I've said reflecting a million times in this, but I've just really been reflecting and thinking about how I can grow from all this. And I know that I'll never be 100% healed. Like you're never, and what does that even look like? You know, but I feel like I have grown so much when I finally talk about him. I think it was just this weight that I had carried for so long. A lot of people know, like they'll say, you you smile like all the time. Like I, I smile when I'm awkward. I'm smile when <laughs> like I smile and it's just like my, I'm so, I smile when I'm uncomfortable. So I feel like that was always my way of dealing with things. No matter what I was going through, if it was hard, I was going to smile. Let's focus on the positive. And what I'm learning is, I, I think I said this earlier, but you're not always going to be your best self and it's okay to not be okay. I don't know why I always felt like I needed to be okay. Maybe it was because there was so much emotion around me that I was kind of scared to feel that emotion as well. Like, you know, like oh, what's going to happen if I let myself feel sad. So I just always had this like, Oh, everything's great. And sometimes it's not. I remember just a couple months ago, I asked someone, how are you? And they said, not great. And at first I was like, oh, like that threw me off. But then I'm like, you know what? That's how that person is feeling. How are we supposed to say like, we're great or I'm doing well when really we're having a hard time. But that does like throw you off, you know, when you ask someone like that, someone that question. But then I, again, being the overthinker and reflecting everything. Like at first I was like, Oh, I don't know what to say to you now, but <laughs> <laughs> then I led that conversation and I'm like, Hmm, would I have preferred her to say I'm great when she wasn't, Yeah. you know, again, normalizing 
emotions and not being, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Especially for caretakers like you, someone who is naturally a nurturer, someone who is taking care of wanting to ease the, ease the, the discomfort of everyone else, trying to keep the peace that we do have a tendency to, even when we're not okay to just keep that, you know, keep your image up. Like you said, Mm -hmm. you you've kind of been working on your image as well. And that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to, to have an image of yourself and, you know, a perceived image that you have Mm -hmm. of yourself that other people have. And then to, and I've always worried so much about what other people think of me lately. I'm think I ask myself, why, why do I care so much what this person thinks of me? Do I even really know this person? (laughs) Probably not. Or, you know, it's just, things that I realized I let stress me out so much. And now I'm like, why? And I still, I still do. Like I still overthink and my husband will be like, that's okay, Holly. (laughs) (laughs) He he is great. Like, but (laughs) yeah, sometimes I can be a little much, I think, but that's okay. (laughs) make like Elsa and let it go. Yeah. It's so hard though. It's so hard. (laughs) I know it can be hard, especially when you have had that history, it can be hard. And so the work that you're doing, I think is really, really intense and admirable and not easy to do. Okay. So Holly, I have a couple more questions for you. What would your best encouragement be to someone who has lost a father or a father figure to some sort of fight? Just find somebody that you can talk to if you are ready to talk about it. Me growing up, never feeling like I could talk about it. And, you know, I probably could have, but again, me not wanting to upset anyone or cause any more commotion. I didn't want to, you know, bring it up because I didn't know if I could or not. I think finding somebody that you can talk to when you're ready to talk about it And just really, I tried to fight a lot of the emotions that I felt like if I was feeling angry, I was like, oh, you should not feel angry. Like, that's not okay. Like he died by suicide. You know, you shouldn't be angry with him. And then I would feel guilt, you know, because of being angry. And I felt all these different emotions and trying to fight all these different emotions and and trying to avoid these emotions. I wish that at that time I would have just sat, but I was young. So like, you know, now I'm like, I wish I would have sat and tried to make sense of, you know, and just sat in these emotions and understand that it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. There's no (laughs) rule to say like, this is when you lose someone, you need to do this and this and this. Yeah, no, there's no rule book. Yeah. To, to agree and yeah, or guidebook, I guess. Like, you know, when, if you do this and this and this, you'll be better. What really was hard for me is fighting those emotions and not really having someone to talk to about those emotions. Like I did see a counselor, but again, I don't really remember that that much. And I don't think that was something that I continued for a very long time. So I think if I would have continued seeing that counselor, then maybe it would have been a lot more beneficial, you know, 
but it was something that I would do. And then maybe we'd stop seeing a counselor and then we'd see a counselor again. So I think just really talking through it when you're ready and remembering that person. Sometimes I just wanted to move on and shut it out of my life, but now I just find joy in like looking at photo albums and it's, it can be sad. Like there are times when it makes me sad. There'll be times when I'm just driving and I'll start thinking about, you know, him and wishing that he was here, you know, and I'll get sad. But then I also, like, I look at the photo album and I see like smiles on his face. And so it also makes, brings joy, you know. Holly, you're totally right about joy because he he loved you even though maybe some of your memories aren't serving you you can look at those memories in photos captured on paper to remind you of the love that he had for you and and that is comforting yes yeah, yeah it is so my last question then what what advice would you give to someone who was supporting you at that time like a 7 year old holly like your grandparents or your aunts or uncles or I think like what I wish, what would have worked for me. And, you know, this might not be something that would work for someone else or what someone else would need, but it kind of goes along with what my other answer was, you know, with um, wanting to talk about it. I wish that there were people who did bring it up or, you know, maybe got the photo albums out when I was younger and when I was ready, you know, or just, see how I responded, you know, talking about him just to kind of keep that memory alive, you know, and knowing like it was okay for me to miss him and talk about him. And um, yeah, I just wish that people would have talked to me about him a little bit more so that I felt like maybe I knew him a little bit more than I do. Talk about those people mm-hmm. that you yes. For people like me who like to suppress and sounds like you too, you want to suppress that, um, conceal, don't feel, I don't know what it is with me and the Elsa (laughs) references right now, but yeah, like conceal it. Don't feel it. Don't let it show and move on with your life. Mm -hmm. That can be so detrimental to the memory and the, the, the joy, like you said, that, that it brings to talk about and, and see photos or remember through conversation with, with loved ones about the loved one that has, has passed. Yes. Um, And I'm sure that like the people in my life didn't because they probably didn't know it it probably for one was hard for them and they might not have known like, Oh, how is she going to respond to this? You know? So I'm sure there's some fears there as well. So, yeah. 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 Not knowing how to approach or like you said, there is no guidebook to how to talk to a seven-year-old girl about the death of her father. That's Mm -hmm. so, so hard to navigate. I I wouldn't even know. And God bless your mom for dealing with that. And then having to also navigate that without any warning, you know, these things happen without any warning. And, and and I guess like earlier I said, like, you know, I didn't talk about my father that much with my mom, but 
I did. I remember her saying that she had talked to a counselor and that counselor said like, are you in these toxic relationships because you feel that guilt and like blame, you know, for, I don't know if they straight out said that to her or if maybe she like, sure. You know, process it that way. Figure, yeah. Process it that way. But yeah, I just can't imagine what she went through. It's like, yeah, I grew up yeah. being angry at her sometimes and, you know, feeling like I just needed that, like loving, you know, and she was loving, but she was also grieving yeah. and struggling. And I saw that sadness, you know, for years mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to, how to help her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just complex. All those relationships can be so complex, especially with Mm. something like death thrown into it. In thinking about the relationship that you have with your mom now, I, I, I know that I said that my last question was going to be my last question, but it's not surprised. Um, in thinking about the relationship that you have with your mom now, what are you most proud of? when thinking about what you have? I'm so proud of how far we've come, you know, and I see her in this happy marriage and she has changed so much. I, if she listens to this, like, it's like, I don't want her to feel bad at all because there's, she shouldn't, you know, that's the past. I don't have any hard feelings towards her now at all. And I'm so proud, like, I'm so happy that I have the relationship that I do have with her now. Now that's not saying that I don't ever like get irritated with her. You know, of course I do, but um, we've just come a long way. Now I talk to her on the phone, like multiple times a week. And for a while it wasn't like that, you know? And so I'm so happy with where we're at. Holly, well, thank you so much for your heart and sharing your journey in all of this because it is so good and it's just so good to hear perspective from someone who has lost someone to people in very different ways but I just I keep coming back to that to that thought that you had that they were both fighting and losing people to different fights no matter what the fight is difficult no matter what but the way that you've handled it is really inspiring. And I know it was going to help a lot of people. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Holly Vandekeef, I hope you guys join us next week for the next episode of the B Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the B Podcast. Make certain to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Screenshot this episode and share to your social media to bring awareness to this project. Share and join our community on Facebook. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next time for more inspiring stories told by real women. Wishing you peace and love. I'm Cami Milliken, and this has been The Bee Podcast.